Hello, this podcast is produced in collaboration with the members of the European radio network Euronet Plus. Over the centuries, tragedies caused by pandemics have sometimes rewritten the political atlas of entire regions. What impact will the COVID-19 pandemic have on the European political landscape? And to begin with, how has the virus influenced the discourse of Eurosceptics? At first sight, Eurosceptics do not seem to have been able to develop relevant and convincing rhetorics on the management of the crisis, not least because at the European level, this management has been mainly intergovernmental, with states retaining control over public health issues. Another explanation is that this intergovernmental model has increasingly become the model for European integration. A convinced Eurosceptic, Italy's right-wing league leader Matteo Salvini has never missed an opportunity to rail against the EU, but he has now joined the ranks of the National Unity Coalition of the former head of the European Central Bank, Mario Draghi, with the aim of getting the country out of the pandemic. Last February, he told our partners at Radio 24 that right, left, Europhile or nationalists are just labels, adding that he is a, I quote, very pragmatic person. Money has no smell. Analysis by our Radio 24 colleague Gigi Donelli. This change, of course, is not a conversion to the European idea, but rather a strategic maneuver to pocket the more than 200 billion euros that the European plan allocates, for the moment on paper, to Italy's economic and structural recovery. After having long been the country's proudest anti-European and even basing entire election campaigns, on liberation from the shackles of European bureaucracy, Matteo Salvini is embracing the cause of the national good, embodied by former ECB president Mario Draghi. He explains that he is doing it for the good of the country, or, as several leaders from different political backgrounds say, to overcome the embarrassment of a coalition governed by an unelected banker, out of a sense of responsibility. He's probably doing so because he hopes to win the next general election and would rather not find himself governing without European funds. To those who accuse him of betraying the anti-European line, he opposes the good of the country, in coherence with the governmental line and the leadership of the national right, which the decline of the figure of Silvio Berlusconi offers him in perspective. To his right, Salvini now finds Giorgia Meloni, who is progressing in the polls and seems to be using anti-Europeanism as a tool for internal political communication. True, at a time when Draghi is governing with confidence, the vaccination campaign is finally turning around, pandemic figures are down and EU funds seem within reach, anti-Brussels rhetoric seems blunter than ever. But one can never rule out the possibility that this is just a lull before the next storm. Matteo Salvini's dilemma is not far removed from the equation faced by the Flemish populist party NVR in northern Belgium. Caught up with the far-right Vlaams Belang party, it is searching for a new European identity. The state of Euroscepticism in Belgium, explained by Annie Capel, our colleague from the French-speaking radio station RTBF. La Belgique est traditionnellement très europhile. 
Belgium is traditionally very Europhile, but it also has Euroskeptics. And when it comes to Euroskepticism, it is Flanders that we look to. One party stands out, the far-right Vlaams Belang. Vlaams Belang means Flemish interest in French. In 2019, the party tripled its core in Europe and now represents a quarter of the Flemish MEPs. Within the Identity and Democracy group in the European Parliament, Vlaams Belang has found allies in the French Rassemblement National and the German AFD. It advocates, and I quote, the cooperation of the European peoples within a civilization and cultural community, but criticizes the EU, end of quote. But there are also Eurosceptics in the largest Flemish party the NVR, in English, Neo-Flemish Alliance, a regionalist party. In fact, the NVR rejects the Eurosceptic label and prefers to speak of Eurorealism. Moreover, the party feels less and less comfortable within the conservative ECR group in the EP and is now flirting with the traditional parties. The NVR has started negotiations to move closer to the centre-right EPP group, whose economic views it shares. However, the Flemish Christians of the CDNV view this attempt negatively. Dabei ist doch vollkommen klar, es geht mit nicht nur um einen Wiederaufbau der europäischen Volkswirtschaften. Es geht allein darum, der Europäischen Kommission noch mehr Macht zu geben. In this excerpt from a recent speech in the European Parliament, Jörg Meuthen, leader of the AFD, the alternative for Germany, denounced the next generation recovery plan as yet another federalist attempt by the EU. In the EU, outside the EU, this is also the question facing the German far-right AFD party. But on the eve of the federal elections, there is no time for procrastination. Jörg Meuthen's party had to take a quick stand on its relationship with the European Union. At a conference in mid-April, the party finalized its election manifesto and adopted a resolution advocating an exit from the EU. However, the party is divided between its elites and its base and its leader is struggling to set the tone, notes Claudia Knopke of AMS, our German radio partner. In Germany, the AfD is campaigning for the federal elections in September with a demand for Dexit. They want to leave the EU and form a new economic and interest grouping according to the resolution. Party leader Jörg Meuthen has clearly spoken out against this idea. He sits in the European Parliament and sees it as the place to change the EU with like-minded people. If we want to change things in our favour, and if we agree on the goals, then we need partners. And we have partners. We have them in the Italian Lega, in the Rassemblement National, the Vlaamsbelang, the Danish People's Party and many others, like in Finland. And there is something going on right now. The departure of the Hungarian Fidesz Party from the EPP has made things happen. The Corona crisis and the opportunity to criticize those at the top for their handling of the pandemic is providing fuel for the AFD and other Eurosceptics in the country. They did, however, choke on a peace. A group surrounding former AFD member Bent Luca had tried to stop the EU's corona aid program through an emergency appeal. However, the federal constitutional court rejected the emergency appeal. Generally speaking, the COVID epidemic and the Brexit may have had the effect of a certain maturation of the European democratic scene, with some Eurosceptics no longer systematically positioning themselves as favourable to their country's exit from the EU, but rather as bearers of an alternative European identity project. 
This is what some parties are working on, such as the Hungarian Fidesz, the Polish Law and Justice Parties or the Italian Lega, explains Monika Susek from our member station Polskie Radio. The meeting in April of the Prime Ministers of Poland, Maciusz Morawiecki, Hungary, Viktor Orban, and the leader of the Italian Northern League Party, Matteo Salvini, in Budapest was interpreted as an attempt to create a new conservative and skeptical group in the European Parliament. According to the coalition partners, currently liberal parties dominate, and groups with different views, often contrary to European projects, are fragmented. And therefore go unnoticed. What will be the future and specific program assumptions of the new faction? Will it be a Eurosceptic party? We don't know yet. But what is certain is that the three politicians will meet again, this time in Warsaw. The most Eurosceptic party in Poland is actually the Confederation Liberty and Independence. In the last elections to the Sejm in 2019, they got more than 6% of the vote. And according to the latest opinion polls, if election had been held at the end of April, the Confederation would have gotten more than 7% of the vote. I've been told that the Prime Minister has disconnected, uh, so I take it that the session was not to his liking. This was the reaction of MEP Intervelde, chairman of the European Parliament's monitoring group on democracy, the rule of law and fundamental rights, at an exchange session with Slovenian Prime Minister Janis Jansha in March on media freedom in Slovenia. As the country prepares to take over the EU Council presidency from Portugal, its head of government is already at loggerheads with the European institution. While in Ljubljana, he narrowly escaped an impeachment motion filed by four opposition parties on 27 May. A complex situation, as Lydia Petkovic of Slovenian radio RTV Slow explains here. The day after the declaration of the COVID-19 pandemic last year, Slovenia had a new government, its 14th, led by Janes Janča. Ever since then, the opposition as well as some media outlets have accused him of undermining the credibility of the country's presidency and embarrassing the country, also because of its support for Poland and Hungary's blocking of the EU's pandemic aid package. Their accusations have intensified, especially because of the Prime Minister's arguments with foreign journalists, individual MEPs and the complication of the debate on media pressure in Slovenia in the European Parliament's Democracy Monitoring Group, especially when the ally of the ruling SDS party, Viktor Orban's Hungarian Fidesz, left the European People's Party in the Parliament, we saw many statements and steps by Prime Minister Janša suggesting an open flirtation with Euroscepticism. Most other Slovenian parliamentary parties currently maintain a more passive pro-European stance. According to some, Slovenia's second EU presidency will be very different from the first, not only because of the pandemic, but also because of the reduced role of the European Council and the increased power of the other institutions. In 2008, Slovenia had the most successful presidency as a new EU member, but this time it seems that it will enter the presidency as a marginal state. More on this on 1st of July, at the start of what promises to be an atypical presidency. The post-crisis period and the return to normality will reveal whether the Eurosceptic parties will regain their voice and what that voice will say. Much is likely to depend on how the economic consequences of this crisis are handled within the Union 
and on the bloc's ability to act effectively in the interests of all its citizens.